0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary and every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash bpshow.
2: thing you need to fight the trump administration this is the bill press show live at youtube.com slash the bill press show
1: well after about a whole week of threats the president said yesterday nah i'm not gonna close the border after all i'm gonna put mexico on a one year trial What do you say, everybody? Here we go. See, you can't believe a word he says because he's going to change his mind five minutes later. Happy Friday. It is Friday, April 5. Can you believe it? Here we go with the Bill Press Show. Hello, hello. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And wherever you are here in this great land of ours, we are right there alongside of you. Joining you today to talk about the news of the day online, on radio, and on television. Thanks so much for joining in. we got lots to talk about. Before you go into the weekend, you got to know all the latest, everything that's, uh, that's happening, and then you can coast for the next couple of days. But not not, not yet. Not yet. Two hours to go before we let you uh, free into the weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. Yes, indeed, Donald Trump did back down on the border. He got so much flack. From members of his own administration, his own economic team, uh, plus every business organization uh, in the country who normally support Republicans, telling Donald Trump he was nuts to close the border and uh, he backed it down yesterday. Uh, meanwhile, he also uh, says he, there might be a deal with China in the making. The biggest deal, if you believe him, ever in the history of humankind. But, of course, that's because he's the king of deals, Uh, right, the art of the deal. All that to talk about and a whole lot more, including one new candidate for president among the Democrats and maybe uh, two or three more coming in. Send us your comments on Twitter. Get ready. Join the conversation on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. But first...
3: This is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, so the new year baseball season is underway, as you know, Bill. I know. You know it's a great time of year. They nice uh, won well,
1: again yesterday.
3: They, they sure did. Uh, well, the New York Yankees, they had an injury. Uh, their third baseman, Miguel Andujar had an injury before a game earlier this week, so they needed a backup. <laughs> so they went to the minor leagues. Tyler Wade. Is the player, and he played in Scranton, which is a uh, uh, you know lower team for the New York Yankees. So as soon as he heard he needed to play, the Yankees were said, "Get here as soon as you can." He took the bus. Close Uber. He took an Uber. No, <laughs> two hour. It's a two hour Uber ride. But he said, "Damn it, the Yankees called. I gotta get there." So he hopped in an Uber, took a two hour ride all the way to New York City where he. Uh, was on the team for that night. Good, for, for I mean, him. look, you yeah, gotta, yeah. However, you get there, you got to get there. You know, when your name is called to go play in the major leagues, you gotta, you gotta make uh, it happen. I just
1: hope the Yankees
3: <laughs> reimbursed him for a super fair. By the way, they did. Okay, oh, yeah, that's because yeah. yeah. someone asked him about it later yeah. and asked yeah. him how much it cost, and he <laughs> says, you know, I honestly, uh, the Yankees are handling that part of it, but they they said yeah. get here as fast as you can, and that's the fastest he thought he could get there. Okay, so uh, the situation with Boeing is still ongoing. Uh, There was uh, the Ethiopian Airlines accident. Well, one of the women that was on the plane that died, her name is Samya Stumo. She's 24 years old. Well, her family has filed a lawsuit against Boeing. And when I say her family, I mean her uncle is Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader actually spoke about the damage that Uh, Boeing could be doing.
4: If we don't get this right... If we don't end the cozy relationship between the Patsy FAA, the captured agency, which had been documented for years, and the Boeing company, 5,000 of these fatally flawed planes will be in the air all over the world.
3: Yeah, I mean, if there's one person you don't want to piss off in this situation, it would be Ralph Nader.
1: Ralph Nader. Still on the job. Still, still, still doing it, man. Yeah, still doing it. Still on the warpath, and Boeing admitted yesterday that they were at fault.
3: Yep. This is the
1: Bill Press Show. Number 16. The uh, member of Congress from the Rust Belt from Ohio, Tim Ryan, jumps into the 2020 race yesterday. Appearing on ABC's The View, Tim Ryan, uh, a veteran guest of the Bill Press Show, the latest Democrat to say he's going to run for president in 2020. Are you keeping score? Uh, Do you have a program to list all the candidates so you don't forget any of them? What do you say? Hello, everybody. Here we go on a Friday. I hope you're doing great. It is the Bill Press Show, and we welcome you to the program, and thank you for joining us For our roundup of the news of the day for the next two hours, that's what we'll be doing. Bringing you up to date on everything happening here in Washington. That's where we start out with our studio in Capitol Hill. Bringing you up to date on everything going on here in Washington, around the country, and around the globe. And joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you on the radio... Uh, statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks. And Chicago, we are there with you in WCP, on WCPT, the big, powerful, progressive voice of Chicago, which owns Chicago and the surrounding communities. Great to be with you out in Chicagoland and also nationwide, coast to coast on the one and only 24-7 full-time progressive TV channel in the country, and that, of course, is Free Speech TV. And remember, it's a two-way street. We'll tell you what's going on. You tell us what it means to you, to your community, to your family, by sending us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, As I mentioned, right at the very top, let's start on uh, some 2020 news today. Then we'll get to the latest from the uh, Trump White House. It gets so depressing talking about the Trump White House. Uh, Let's talk about where we go in 2020. Yes, indeed, the field got a little larger yesterday with um, our friend, a frequent guest on the Bill Press Show. We always tease him that he got his start in the media on the Bill Press Show. Congressman Tim Ryan from Ohio. He had talked about running. I thought he had sort of given up on it, but uh, he showed up on The View yesterday. Uh, Pretty good launching uh, spot and made it official. Here's the good congressman.
2: And I can go back just a few weeks where my daughter called me crying from school because her friend was crying to her. Her dad just got transferred at the local General Motors plant. The kids had to move. Yeah. And my daughter called me and she said, you got to do something. And I said, I'm going to do something and I'm going to run for president of the United States. And we're going to make
4: sure this doesn't happen.
2: There you go.
1: Again, a lot of people have said what we need is somebody who represents the uh, middle America. And uh, we've got a couple of them now. Pete Buttigieg from South Bend, Amy Klobuchar, uh, of course, uh, from Minnesota, and now um, Tim Ryan from Ohio, uh, right in the middle of the Rust Belt, representing Youngstown, Akron, Ohio, areas that have been hard hit uh, by jobs moving overseas, steel mills, auto mills closing down, uh, a message of economic recovery and jobs that we thought we might hear from Sherrod Brown from Ohio, who is not running, uh, Tim Ryan is. Now, you might ask, could anybody go from, by the way, I think he's the third member of Congress running this year, Tulsi Gabbard, of course, from Hawaii, and John Delaney from Maryland. But I know you ask, here's a good cocktail question, Has could anybody go right from Congress to the White House. Could a member of Congress leap all the way, win the presidential election, go from Congress directly to the White House? All right, the question is? The answer, right, is yes. Only one other person has done it in history.
3: I Uh, feel like I knew this answer at one point, but I forgot.
1: James Garfield. James Garfield was a congressman from Ohio, who was the, uh, his, the, still today the only member of City member right? of Congress elected to the White House? Uh, and the good news for uh, Tim Ryan is that he's from Ohio. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that
3: helps, I guess. I know. <laughs>
1: when I had dinner with Tim Ryan to talk about this, I looked that up ahead of time because I wanted to tell him, Tim, no member of Congress has ever made it all the way to the White House. This is a foolish errand. And I found well, out there was only one congressman who would had, and he happened to have been from Ohio. Well. That's the good news. The bad news is he was assassinated six and a half months later.
3: Yeah, true. True.
1: So you got to.
3: You win some, you lose some. You win some, <laughs> you lose some, right.
1: Anyhow, congratulations to Tim Ryan. Uh, we'll get him in, and we'll talk to him more uh, uh, about that race. And by the way, not to be un- outdone. Uh, Eric Swalwell from California, who has been talking about it, uh, he told some people yesterday. Well, Tim's not going to be the only member, or those other two. I'm getting in too, he said. Next week, we'll tell you when that happens. But reportedly, he told a k- couple of people about that yesterday. And
3: you know the the interesting thing about Swalwell, which I don't, I'm not so sure that uh, he's got a great shot, but he is essentially going to be running as as he said, reportedly. Uh, sort of a one-issue campaign, and that is gun control. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Gun safety. Right. That's going to be his issue, and you know it's it's hard to sort of break out of this big pack of <laughs> candidates, and uh, unless you
1: got a good issue,
3: if you've got a good issue, like right. j- like I think Jay Inslee. Jay
1: Inslee on climate change. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, and maybe you say it's Elizabeth Ber- Bernie's Medicare for All, and Elizabeth Warren is the, the wealth tax. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and uh, but he's also got another challenge. Of course, he's California, and Kamala Harris uh, is way up there uh, and has a lot more name recognition and support uh, in California. And I don't mean to put him down, Eric Swabell. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I thought Pete Buttigieg was already in, um, and, and and really he is. But everybody it sort of gets a, a double take now on when they announce and when they officially announce. I mean, they announce and then they. No, did a great big thing. Come on, Harris did it that way. So did Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, Now it's Pete Buttigieg. He said yesterday he's going to have his official launch in South Bend, Indiana, on April 14. You know that'll be a big event. Everybody in South Bend will come out whether they like it or not just to be part of a presidential launch. Uh, And the only other news I saw on the 2020 front yesterday is, uh, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders has gotten a little flack um, because he hasn't released his tax returns. Uh, he should uh, I believe every presidential candidate should um, and someday we'll get Donald Trump's tax returns too uh, but um, this idea that uh, you don't have to release your tax returns until you become the nominee is nonsense release them now, what do they have to hide? Bernie's got nothing to hide, he's not a wealthy man he doesn't have any <laughs> deals with Russia or Deutsche Bank or whatever uh, but he did sell CNN or does he? <laughs> or does he? That's right. Uh, anyhow, he told CNN yesterday, almost promised, but hinted, that he'll be releasing his returns on uh, April 15, which is when all the rest of us are going to be releasing our returns uh, to the IRS. On the uh, So uh, switching back to the uh, Donald Trump front here, uh, and let's just d- d- go from tax returns of Bernie to tax returns of Donald Trump. As we know, um, the chair of the... House Ways and Means Committee, Richard Neal from Massachusetts, day before yesterday, wrote a letter to the IRS commissioner um, following, by the way, the IRS manual of uh, saying, okay, we're doing our job uh, uh, that's laid out for us in the uh, IRS code and we are taking advantage of the opportunity there to request the last six years of the president's tax returns. Uh, the IRS code manual says Congress has a right to ask, and it also says the commissioner must reveal them, must supply them, must provide them. Uh, the White House has a different point of view. Donald Trump keeps saying, uh, I'm under audit. Don't don't talk to me. Talk to my lawyers. Yeah.
5: I'll speak to my lawyers. I'll speak to the attorney general.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Speaker Pelosi yesterday said, no, 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 we don't need to speak to your lawyers. We can read. The law. The IRS
2: manual requires requires an audit of the president, and uh, Congress has the duty to ensure that it has been done and done properly.
1: Uh, in other words, the Democrats are saying, "Okay, you're under audit. Well, we want to audit your audits, <laughs> whether you're under audit or not. It doesn't make any difference." Uh, And it was even on Fox News, a man that we find ourselves turning to more and more from Fox and Friends. Uh, Fox is not just that show, but he's on there a lot. Their legal analyst, uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano, who said yesterday, yeah, the president's going to try to hide behind the old audit excuse, but uh, it doesn't wash. Understand the president's argument that he's under uh, audit, and, and right. an audit is private. So if he's
3: under audit, he knows it, and the people doing the audit know it. The public uh, doesn't know it. That would
5: not be uh, a defense.
1: Uh-huh. Not a defense. All right. So uh, Donald Trump, you watch Fox News. Take it from Fox News. Um, maybe he can't pay too much attention to it because he's, he, Donald Trump, is— uh, Too busy figuring out who he's going to put on the Fed. There are two vacancies on the Federal Reserve Board. Um, And I find it very interesting uh, that Donald Trump seems to want to fill the Fed with people who are just like him. Um, He has nominated for one position, Stephen Moore, a conservative economist uh, from the Heritage Foundation. Uh, You you used to see him a lot on CNN. used to see him on Crossfire back when I was doing Crossfire, um, Steve Moore, who's in a little trouble now because <clears throat> he didn't pay his taxes. He's got a, a lot of overdue tax taxes that he owes, child support that he owes, and alimony payments that he owes. So he was behind on not behind. He just refused to pay, failed to pay all of those. Got got himself in a little hot water. But again, just like Donald Trump, who is so far as we know didn't pay his taxes either. Um. Now he is now for the second position. Donald Trump has a different person in mind, an old buddy of his, he says, and he made it clear yesterday this is the guy I plan to appoint.
5: I've recommended Herman Cain. He's a very. Herman uh, Cain! A terrific man, a terrific person. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I have recommended him highly for the Fed. Now, why is Herman Cain
1: like Donald Trump? Mm, not just because he ran for president. He did, remember, back in 2012. How could we forget? But Herman Cain had to drop out of the race because he was he was accused of sexual harassment by four different women when he was head of the National Restaurant Association. Uh, they ended up settling those cases for unknown millions of dollars. And Herman Cain dropped out of the presidential race. Another sexual predator getting <laughs> this reminds
3: me of Donald Trump supporting Roy Moore. Right. He doesn't care. Right. Just like him, yeah. This is uh, this is certainly not disqualifying in Donald Trump's eyes.
1: No, not no, not on Donald Trump's eyes. Right, exactly. Um, And uh, as Sherrod Brown pointed out, you know, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio, the problem is the president is really trying to stack the Fed with his uh, once again political, not people who really understand the Fed, understand monetary policy, and are there because. They can bring something to the board, but just simply because they're political cronies of Donald Trump. Here's Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio.
5: They've generally been fair-minded and even-handed, and, and um, you don't politicize this, the Federal Reserve as this president has done.
1: Mitt Romney, uh, good point, uh, Senator Brown. Mitt Romney, also a senator from Utah now, re- re- weighed in yesterday as well, uh, saying he thought uh, Herman Cain would be a lousy appointment. And he feared that uh, if he became a member of the Fed, that uh, well, he said, if he beca- if he ever were confirmed, we know what the interest rates, the new interest rates would be, nine, nine, nine. I, I have remember that PTSD <laughs> oh, no,
3: about no. the nine, nine, nine and the weird Herman Cain surge.
1: Uh, that's right. At one time, he did surge to he was he, he absolutely was at the was top was of the polls. Top of the polls. Head of the pack in 2012. But of course, what we remember most, finally, about the Herman Cain campaign is pizza. Imagine there's no pizza. <laughs> I couldn't if I tried <laughs> eating
3: all the tacos. I'll give him this. Yeah, I'll give him that.
1: The guy can sing. The guy can sing. I'll yeah, give him that. That was that was so well done and so funny.
3: <laughs> I mean, we, we forget right? Godfather Pizza. God. Godfather Pizza, which yeah. is one of the worst pizzas you could po- I think there are only a couple of uh, I've never had it, but it w-
1: I wouldn't even try. I'll it.
3: tell you the uh, best way to describe it: it's gas station pizza. Like no, literally, oh, really? if like if there yeah. are certain places you go to get gas, and yeah. there'll be a Godfather's pizza <laughs> inside the gas station. <laughs> you got to be pretty hungry to eat that
1: pizza. <laughs> well, if it gets there, you know those <laughs> those board meetings of the Fed are going to be <clears throat> pretty oh, lively. Oh
3: yeah, I mean uh, I'm sure it will be
1: pretty lively. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, there there is and. uh the other thing Donald Trump was up to yesterday, yes, indeed, you know, we've made this point before. That, boy, his rhetoric is tough and he talks tough and, man, he threatens and he he, he just storms through a room. But, you know, there's the, a <laughs> the chicken side of Donald Trump, too, which is if you really stand up to him, you put pressure on him. Uh, he'll back down, as he did yesterday on the border. For the last, This is all we've been talking about, all people have been talking about. We haven't spent that much time on it uh, here on the Bill Press Show. But the big issue has been the border. He's going to close the border. What? $1.7 billion in trade every day, and the farmers are going to get hurt, and the auto manufacturers, the auto auto industry is going to close down, and people won't be able to get their jobs, and the school, those who live near the border, and the the American economy is going to tank. These were the arguments made not just by Democrats again, but by Donald Trump's top economic advisors saying, This is crazy. Republicans in Congress saying this is idiotic. Well, yesterday, Donald Trump caved and he said, "Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give Mexico a year and we're going to see how they do in stopping the flow of drugs into the United States. If they don't do a better job on the drugs, we're going to put tariffs on any automobiles coming in from Mexico. And if they still haven't done a better job at the border a year from now, Then we're going to close the border. So now he's put it off for a year uh, and he's going down there today, (coughs) pardon me, flying down to El Paso and then going to the border where he still claims. That they are building this wall as we speak, they are down there building this wall. Here's Donald Trump yesterday, by the way, and it's simply not true. The wall is
5: under construction, by the way, large sections. We're going to be meeting, I think, on Friday at a piece of the wall that we've completed, a big piece. A lot of it's being built right now. A lot of it's being signed up right now by different contractors.
1: Uh, You know, and we had uh, Dara Linden from Vox, right, Uh, yesterday, who pointed out, asked her that very question. And she said, there's no new wall being built. I mean, what they're doing is repairing some. Uh, maybe rebuilding some sections of the wall that have already that have already been uh, in place, but I, I've lost track of how many times has Donald Trump gone down to the. I mean, he, he just goes down there for these little photo ops, walks along a little section of the thing, that gets back on Air Force One and then flies home. I mean, it's totally totally meaningless photo op, which is probably costing us about five million dollars.
3: Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> easily,
1: yeah, easily to take the whole, you know,
3: to go down there and do nothing.
1: Right, totally, except bitch again about uh, the border and how we have to shut down the border, which he is not doing. But he does have a deal in the works, not a deal with Mexico. He's got a deal in the works with China.
5: The deal is coming along really well. We'll probably know over the next four weeks. It may take two weeks after that to get it papered.
1: So what I'd like to know, so anyhow, and, and he says there's going to be a big summit done with President Xi also once the deal is done. So um, I think we all have a right to know uh, to and curiosity as to what is in this deal with China. How about, Mr. President, can you give us some of the details of the deal?
5: This will be a, a really terrific, very unique deal. This is an epic deal, historic, hmm. if it happens.
1: I see. So it's unique, it's epic. epic, historic. Well, let me ask again, Mr. President. How about like some of the detailed provisions and the biggest? Just, just do have to name them all. The biggest points in this deal.
5: It's going very well. Uh, top officials are here, and uh, you know we're very well along on the deal. It's a very complex deal. It's very mm. big deal. It's one of the biggest deals ever made. Maybe the biggest deal ever made.
1: Oh. So now we know it's not only unique, historic, it's very, it's complex, and it's very big. Very big. The
3: biggest deal ever made. All right. The, the biggest deal ever made. Ever made,
1: no. All right, I hate to be a pain in the ass, but let me ask again. How about some of the details, the major provisions? Still haven't
3: gotten
5: them. It's a very unique oh. set of circumstances, but it's a massive deal. Could be one of the... I guess it is, if you think about it. The biggest deal ever made. There can't be a deal like this. No matter where you look, there can't be a deal like this. This is uh, this is the granddaddy of them all. Oh, now well, we got details. it. Details. All right, now
1: we got it. Uh, you got all yeah, the details all you need, details. man. All right. It's a granddaddy. It's historic. It's unique. It's big.
5: This is the granddaddy of them all.
1: <laughs> it's very big. It's the oh, biggest deal God. ever in the history. This is bigger than the pyramids.
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
3: that yeah. deal, the pyramid deal, nothing yeah. compared to this deal. Why is it, what is it,
1: I mean, I, look, I'm not a shrink, but what is it about this man that he cannot just do, like, anything? I mean, I'm sorry, if he takes a crap, it's got to be the biggest one ever yeah. in the history of humankind. Sure. Everything he does has to be the biggest
3: ever, ever in history. Oh, y- and, Yes, but also think about, like, when, he, when people say, Are you a racist? He's like, there's nobody less racist than me. I am the least racist person who ever lived. Like, it's not a competition.
1: I I I mean, the man deals
3: in absolutes. I'll give him that.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed he does. A little bit of good news yesterday. Um, I got to tell you, uh, we've talked a lot, and there's a lot of talk lately about the um, electoral college. And, look, okay, Pete Buttigieg says it. almost all the Democratic candidates say, let's get rid of the Electoral College. It is is long overdue time to get rid of the Electoral College. Uh, And uh, we've had two presidents in this young century elected uh, who got to the White House without winning the popular vote. So we believe in the old-fashioned rule that the person who gets the most votes should win the election, therefore uh, go by the popular vote, get rid of the Electoral College. That, of course, would take an uh, an amendment to the Constitution. Or would it? No, not necessarily, because there is this possible end run around the Constitution. If you could get enough states—somebody came up with this idea. It's called the national popular vote. If you could get enough states to agree that whoever wins the popular vote nationwide— they're going to give all their electoral votes to that candidate instead of breaking them down little by little, uh, so many to this candidate, so many to that, whoever wins a popular vote wins. You could get enough states to add up to 270. You don't have to get rid of the Electoral College. You would replace it with this national popular vote without having to amend the Constitution and go through that whole process. Uh, I give you that little background to um, bring you up to date on the latest, the state of New Mexico yesterday. This is, this is getting to be real. The state of New Mexico voted yesterday to uh, follow and endorse the national popular vote. They become, New Mexico is the 14th state to do so. So now there are 14 states and the District of Columbia. That agree, you win the popular vote. You're the president of the United States. Uh, if you add all those states up, you get to 189. That's where we are today. All right. So um, 270. We are exactly, by my count, Peter, 11 81 votes short. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need we need a few more states to add up to 81. And the Electoral College is gone. we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. No, that's very exciting. And I hope that uh, with all this talk about the Electoral College and the action of New Mexico, that that will encourage a few other states to do so. Why this is important. Let's go back to 2016, the last election. As we know, because he talks about it all the time, Donald Trump got 306 electoral votes. Uh, Hillary Clinton got 232. So under the electoral vote count. He definitely president of the United States. That's where he is. Um, but if you look at the popular vote, Hillary Clinton won forty-eight and a half percent of the popular vote. Donald Trump forty-six point four percent. So she beat him three four million by three or four million people. She beat him by two percentage points. She should be president of the United States. Today. Yeah, there's yeah. no doubt about it. But again according to who gets the most votes. Now, uh, you might be wondering. I was wondering this morning, so I checked it out. Here are the states that are on board. So I'd say, listen carefully. If your state is not on board, then get to work. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, it shouldn't be that difficult. Go to the state legislature. I'm sure you get somebody to carry this bill and get it through. Get your state on board. So the states that have, in alphabetical order, that have already signed up, are part of the national popular vote. California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington State, and now New Mexico, and the District of Columbia. There you go. There's a big one so missing, you know, like Florida's not there. Uh, Texas is not there but two biggest states, California and New York are. It's exciting
3: that it's growing
1: yeah, it's growing absolutely, and you know I'd like to see uh, the Democratic candidates for president as they're moving around this year and going from state to state to state, make the point that Elizabeth Warren did when, um, I forget where she announced this, but she said, oh was it down in Mississippi? Mississippi, yeah. Mississippi she said yeah, you don't see the presidential candidates come down here Because they're only going after the big electoral votes, make sure you do this. They're going to have to come to every state because every state
3: matters. And you have to see it's good for democracy with a small D. It's interesting you see a lot of conservatives pass around these maps, right, that show all this red Mm -hmm. area in the country and then this blue area of the country, which is you know, which is in pockets. And they say, oh, these these red states are going to be completely ignored. If we go to a popular vote, their voice won't be heard. And what they leave out of that is a lot of that is just land. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about population, people, one person, one vote. Right. And California, New York happen to be very populous. North Dakota, not so much.
1: Uh, Right. You. (laughs) And yet and yet under the electoral college. Right. Land counts more than. Yeah, people. Land can vote, right? Land can vote. Land can vote. Uh, Lots going on here. Uh, By the way, Pete Buttigieg, interestingly, uh, there he is, just seeing Tim Ryan on Morning Joe this morning, making the rounds. All right, Tim Ryan. uh, Pete Buttigieg has been talking a lot about his faith and the impact of his faith, and raising questions about the sincerity of the faith of Donald Trump and Mike Pence both. Jack Jenkins joins us from uh, Religion News Services to talk about all of that and more. Next, here on the Bill Press Show. On this Friday, April 5, a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. On a Friday, April 5, how about it? It is the Bill Press Show. Hello, good people. Good to have you with us today. For our little roundup of the news of the day, um, and uh, there's just a lot of a lot of God talk going on here, in the, particularly in the uh, Democratic primary, uh, very interesting. Democrats are not afraid to talk afraid to talk about their faith and uh, what it all means to them and how it may influence uh, their political decision making. Jack Jenkins covers these issues full time for the Religion News Service and joins us in studio. Good to see
6: you, sir. Thanks so much for having me. Father. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi. There you go. Imam, yeah. whatever. <laughs> thanks for coming in. Thanks for, be- uh, thanks for uh,
1: being Uh We've been at it for a little bit here before you uh, joined uh-huh. us, uh, and we wanted to check back with our... Listeners and viewers to see their take on the news of the day. Peter?
3: Yes, indeed. Lots of comments on Twitter. At BP Show. At BP Show. Uh, first of all, Connie. Shout out Connie. She says she is going to see Mayor Pete tonight in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh-huh. She says that she has learned how to pronounce his name. It's pronounced uh, As hmm? the, 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 He's selling shirts see- now. Have you seen the shirts? No. So it says Boot Edge Edge. That's how he Buttigieg. says it. Bootage pron- Edge. Buttigieg.
1: Well, I remember when he was in here, he basically said Buddha judge.
3: Yeah, I think Buddha, I
1: think, I think we're fine. That's what I, I think too if you think of a Buddha and you think of a judge.
3: Yeah. Buddha yeah, judge. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think yeah. that the t-shirts were sort of a way to make people Yeah. visually sort of get it. But I like, <laughs> I like Buddha judge. And judge. Yeah, yeah that's that's good. pretty good. Uh all right, some other comments here uh on uh Twitter uh Tom, you think of.
1: Andrew Napolitano, Buddha
3: judge. There you, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, Tom <laughs> says, Trump is a full throttle con man. At least Kellyanne is a qualified BS artist. Trump is an incompetent grifter. Uh, yikes. Okay. Uh, we also have a poll up right now mm-hmm. about whether or not you have made up your mind about who you will vote for in the 2020 primary we just ask you simply yes or no have you decided who you will vote oh, for oh, in the 2020 uh-huh. primary mm-hmm. now it's early we just put it up uh, but it's going to be up all day today 31% of you say yes wow and a very nice 69% of you say no. Not yet. Not yet. So yeah. if you have a uh, vote, go find us on Twitter at BP Show. And, of course, chime in. People have weighed in on the poll saying who they are voting for. Uh-huh. Just just to give you an idea, yeah. we've got one person says they're voting for Bernie. Another person says they're voting for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and other people say what everybody else has to say. So you can make your voice heard at BP Show.
1: Uh, as uh, with the entrance uh, entry of uh, Tim Ryan yesterday, uh, that makes 16. So you got a lot of choices. Uh, I look. You can vote however you want in this poll. Uh, my vote is uh, not yet. I um, and I proudly, proudly supported Bernie Sanders in 2016 in the Democratic primary because I thought we needed a primary. We needed a challenger. We needed a good debate. Um, that's not, the, and I still love Bernie. That's not the case this time. We have a lot of choices. So um, I don't know. Again, you vote however you want. Uh, my take right now is I want to see who gets in. <laughs> mm. uh, and we still have a few more out there, uh, notably uh, Joe Biden, Terry McAuliffe, Eric Swalwell from California, maybe uh, Michael Bennett from Colorado. Uh, and then I want to see how they do in the debate, at least the first couple of debates. And. Um, because I'm looking for the guy who can take it to Donald Trump. let mm. take it to Donald Trump. So, Jack, again, good to see you. Um,
6: are you, are you is surprised by uh, all this God talk in the in the primary? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I was, I've been covering religion and politics for a while, and I'm in this weird place as a religion journalist. Well, now are, there is now fierce competition among my fellow religion journalists to be able to talk to all the candidates about their faith. Because they're willing and eager to do so, to a lot of different, like a lot of us, and that is an interesting shift. Um, You know, we uh, last year I got to speak with Cory Booker about his faith, and he kind of talked about how you know he feels like the right claimed religion, and that the left has you know the the capacity to reclaim it, particularly in this political moment. Um, Julian Castro told me a similar thing. just jump in there?
1: Yeah, you know, that sounds like it might make a good book, like how the Republicans stole religion. Well, Someone should write that book. <laughs> Someone yeah. should write An that book. Idea. <laughs> An excellent, excellent idea. I wrote that book ten years ago, <laughs> <laughs> and it's still good. May still be available in paperback. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, that's that's but, the thing, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it seems but like it did. I mean, that, yeah. Democrats. It was like the third rail for Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. And Republicans were all, all starting with Ronald Reagan, who was not that big a churchgoer, but talking about his religion, 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 and 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 then with the Bushes came in really, and George W. doing this for his daddy, getting the evangelicals in out of the pulpit into the ballot box, right. basically. Yeah, right. right. So anyhow, but you mentioned so no. you talked to
6: Cory Booker and and Julian uh, Castro, uh-huh. um, and they were they both. They both were pretty well, in, in, in Castro, actually you know when he announced his campaign when he announced his exploratory committee he did so in front of a picture of our lady of guadalupe um you know this this visage of uh you know, the virgin mary that's very important to catholicism particularly in mexico and in central america and then when he gave his actual uh, announcement speech he did so in guadalupe plaza across from guadalupe church where he was baptized and he made sure to reference both of those things. And his mother, I didn't know this till I spoke with him, was actually on the board of Network, which is this mm, uh, mm-hmm. Catholic social justice lobby run by, uh, at this point, Sister Simone Campbell, who actually spoke at the Democratic National Convention in 2012. So he actually has this tie. <laughs> it's um, so
1: funny. Uh, I just wrote a check to Network yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But Sister and, Simone Campbell's been on our show. She's great. Nuns on the bus.
6: There you go. Yeah. A- and I think that's kind of part of what's happening here is that the religious left as a protest activist group has actually gotten a lot of attention in play under Trump um as part of these big resistance movements and um you know i think the religious right has taken a big hit uh under Trump and i think those two things con- um combined have given democrats it looks like an opening to talk about their faith
1: not to be too cynical the democrats that you've talked to are they just talking or Do they really mean it?
6: Well, that's a good question, right? I mean, this is one of the things about, you know, religion journalism is do you ever take somebody at their word or do you question or prod them about their faith? Um, I mean, I certainly felt like, you know, both of those two people I just mentioned, Cory Booker and Julian Castro, struck me as sincere, right? It's not really my job as a journalist to to assess that per se. But I will note that, you know, for instance, in Booker's case, um, I mean, Booker, when he had his uh, CNN town hall recently, when he was asked about his faith, um, I mean, he ended up you know, quoting Hebrew, reciting Hebrew during the course of his answer. You know, he was um, he's been pretty conversant about religion for quite some time. And Castro relatedly, um, you know, like I said, you know, he his, his, grew up in a mother with a mother who seems to be a very yep, social justice yeah. Catholic. I mean, he right, comes kind of right. by that version of the tradition, seems pretty honestly. Um, but I do think it's, it'll be an interesting question where if Democrats start can, can continue to talk about their faith pretty regularly. Um, if other Democrats will both, one, you know, ask, ask them even more deeper, richer questions about that and kind of push them to say, all right, I heard you say a few platitudes. What more does that mean? And then in addition to that, there's also a whole wing of the Democratic Party that's kind of uncomfortable with them talking about their faith, which is where you get the line that Booker said in, in his town hall, where he said, I would rather hang out with a nice atheist than a mean Christian. To me, strikes me as that attempt to try to split the line between um, the very deeply church-going. Um, and you know, worship-going religious people in the Democratic Party, because the Democratic Party actually has some of the most church-going Americans in the country, it also has the significantly higher percentage of people who are religiously unaffiliated, who don't claim one religious tradition, who often balk at God talk from um, a presidential podium. And so you have the uh, arguably the most and least religious Americans in the same party, and you want both of their votes. So it's <laughs> yeah. an interesting thing right now. But So um, does Bernie ever talk about his faith? So Bernie's been interesting about this. I don't.
1: I never remember hearing Bernie talk about, and he was the only Jew uh, among all the candidates, and still is, I guess, right. So I, I'm just thinking about this this field. Well, I technically,
6: so Marianne Williamson, who is also running, is this spiritual oh, guide, god, and well, she is also Jewish. Why do I Jewish. always forget about her? <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. So Good. she, um, but he. I will say he talks about. I, I wrote about this when he. But and, she's sort of like a, I don't know, a new world new. The category, I think she, she occupies a lot of different religious spaces at once, but her, <laughs> but she, uh, you know, some people put her in the new age category. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, and, you know, kind of like a self-help category. That's yeah, one place. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she would balk at most of those, you know, definitions, but it certainly seems to be, you know, the books that hers are put next to and yeah, um, yeah, those yeah. sorts of things. But, but Bernie, Bernie has yeah. struck me as interesting when he talks about his faith. I wrote about this when I worked at Think Progress, um, is that, you know, some people have kind of said, you know, labeled him as you know more of a traditional secular Jew, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense, where the tradition and the heritage is important, but the, the theology is not something he spends a lot of time talking about in public if it is it, um, deeply important to him. But he doesn't, he does actually talk about religion, but he often talks about, like he, he used to cite Pope Francis a lot when he would talk about economics. And recently he released a video on his Twitter feed where it was him meeting with Muslim. Um, leaders and kind of in the aftermath of the Christchurch shooting, you know, the tragic shooting down um, there with uh, the hands of a white supremacist. And he, he noted his Jewish heritage and said, you know, this is important to me and it's a way for me to connect with you across this difference. And so while it's not necessarily saying, you know, God told me to run for president, what it was saying is, you know, your religious heritage and how it seems to be under threat at this precise moment. You know, as a Jew, I also can understand that sensibility and that, that, that feeling. And you know our religious um, identity, particularly in America, where you know white supremacy seems to be having quite a quite a moment, um, is something that I can relate to. And so for him, he doesn't shy away from talking about faith, but it's often like when he is asked about it in the past, he kind of says my spirituality is, and then he kind of appeals to what really sounds like a broader progressive ideal of you know caring for you know, the poor and the immigrant, et cetera, et cetera.
1: So when um, it comes to f- faith and politics. Um, and I, I think it's fascinating going all the way back to the founding of this country. We've been dealing with this issue: what is the proper role of both, and does faith play any part mm-hmm. in politics? Again, that's what I try to get into uh, with my book, "How the Republicans Stole Religion." But it, it, is it part of the problem? Never is stop that, plugging.
3: Never stop plugging. Never plug. stop plugging.
1: <laughs> but um, uh, but part of the the problem, I think, for Democrats is that the religious right has. I think fairly successfully identified faith true faith as being anti abortion anti same sex marriage mm-hmm. and anti homosexuality period mm-hmm. and those are the issues that are identified very wrongly I believe as whether or not you are a true person of faith right which which and you can't be you know uh, you can't be a christian they say and be pro choice you can't be a Christian and support. Uh, maybe you can accept LGBTQ Americans, but not if they exercise any sexuality. Right.
6: Which for me makes the recent um, coverage of Pete Buttigieg's faith really particularly interesting because he's like a living rejection um, right. of that right. of that mm-hmm. sentiment. Right. Um, because he's he's an openly gay you know, Democratic mayor who's now having, you know, rich theological debates, um, you know, at least, you know, uh, in, in general with Republicans at this point um, by challenging them.
1: Yeah. So. And, ch- and and so Buttigieg, as has in fact um, challenged, maybe a too strong word, but he's raised some questions about Mike Pence and Donald Trump. Yes. Um, actually, what I think is fascinating no, about you got. To, by the way, there's yeah. a big difference between Donald Trump and Mike Pence too, and one could also. And let's talk also about how the two of them relate.
6: Right, right? I, I think that's what's fascinating about Buttigieg's campaign to me is that one could argue that a lot of the different, a lot of the coverage he suddenly got out of nowhere, relatively recently was rooted in him talking about religion, like the, one of the big viral claims that suddenly kind of pulled him back onto the national stage is when he did his scene in town hall. And you know they asked him about you know, who would be a better president, Donald Trump or Mike Pence. And he went off to say that his version, you know, Buddha Judge's version of scripture, was rooted in you know, this idea of welcoming the stranger, um, you know, helping the immigrant, helping the poor, whereas he compared himself to Mike Pence's version of faith, which he described as you know, more concerned about sexuality and sex. And then said even then he thought he wouldn't align himself with Trump. And he, he had the, the closing line that got a lot of attention was him saying, Did Mike Pence stop believing in scripture when he started believing in Donald Trump? I don't know. And that, you know, that's that's again an openly gay, um, mm-hmm. Democratic candidate, you know, articulating a version of scripture in a theological context, challenging Mike Pence. Um, in a way that got an applause line, and that, and then he just he kept doing that. He started talking about the rise of the religious left. He started talking about his own faith and his own faith background, and then inevitably, like you said, he he had a question about Donald Trump when he was doing a interview recently, and he said, you know, I don't see someone who has uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but somebody with those, who takes the actions of the president doesn't seem to me like the actions of someone who believes in God. And that, you know, what he described as Trump's worship of self, he see it as inherently incongruous with, um, you know, a, hu- a humble faith that he understands as Christianity. And then th- th- this was the moment where, you know, the people who uh, he had to respond to this because he got pushback from the religious right. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, you shouldn't challenge somebody's faith, um, never mind that Trump Challenged other people's faith during the 2016 campaign when he he tweeted the tweet still exists you can look it up challenged Ted Cruz's evangelical Christianity because you know he quote unquote lies a lot or something like that um, he also kind of like questioned why am I forgetting it, Ben Carson's faith as well as a Seventh Day Adventist and so um, so it's it, it, and so then like Pete Buttigieg is like still kind of like in many circles winning this theological argument with the religious right which as you point out is an inversion of how these mm-hmm. debates used to go um, right. even, like, five or six years ago.
1: Why—I uh, get asked this question all the time. uh love your response. Why is it or how can evangelicals, if they really believe what they say they believe, support Donald Trump given his bragging about sexual assault? I mean, I, I you know, to tell the I know a lot. A lot of people made it a big deal that when he went, he and um, the first lady went to St. John's Church mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning. It's the first time they've been in church like since he's been in the White House. Okay, I don't care. I don't care about that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think showing up on a church on Sunday morning is any proof of of your faith, right? Gotcha. But at any rate, gotcha. Uh, um, but what we know about Donald Trump, right? he's he's hardly somebody you would think of as a, as a
6: devout and believer in whatever how can evangelicals stick with him so this is this is like one of the big questions and i think there's there's three it, hmm? go ahead i okay. think there's three separate strains of answers here one is that for some it's just this raw um either or of when confronted with a democrat or a republican when it comes down to issues like abortion often uh, specifically right they they'll they'll they'll, right. they'll take someone who might be um might have these allegations of sexual impropriety who has gone on tape saying right. you know, bragging about sexual assault over someone who supports abortion. It's just the intensity of that theological belief. Right, and so even if they think that he's abhorrent, at the end of the day, that's where they'll cho- choose. There's a second strain. In other words, it's it, it, it,
1: it's political,
6: right? right? I mean, for them, they want a president who's going to appoint judges who's going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yes. And so that is a a raw political transaction. The another one is actually deeply theological, and and it's these groups of people who often see him as this like a biblical figure, like King Cyrus in the Bible, who might not it might be morally impure, but can be used by God. And so there's like this very specific theology attached to Trump, where the fact that he is, you know, uh, he he presents himself to many as. You know, this morally questionable person is actually evidence of God's favor for him. So that's a whole another thing. Why, why wouldn't <laughs> they make that argument about Bill Clinton? That's an excellent question that I, has been asked to many re, a religious right leader. You know what? Uh, it gets back to <laughs> politics. Yes. And, and the third strain of that, and I think my argument is that all three of these things are true at the same time, is that there was a whole group of evangelicals who were the first to line up behind Trump during the primary, when a lot of... You know, more traditional evangelicals were not super excited about him, and that group ended up growing. And that crew seems to be less animated by um, you know theological tenets, a specific you know a Tim Keller or a Russell Moore theological argument um, about their faith, and more organi- uh, more animated by what's often described as Christian nationalism, which is really an identity, so um, not so much as a a uh, theology. So it's like this idea of um, you know my Bible in in the, in my room and my cross on my wall and my American flag and that's who I am and they might not have been to church in years but this yeah. Christian nationalism idea is great and if you have someone like Donald Trump who says you know we need to stand for the national anthem and we worship God not government these are lines that he would use in his stump speeches that checks the boxes and so they will identify as evangelical on a poll but really what they care about is this broader identity that he represents for them that often skews heavily white that often skews towards these sort of hyper-patriotism, nationalistic perspective.
1: Uh, back to the question that people have asked uh, um, uh, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, when you c- compare Donald Trump to Mike Pence, I mean, Mike Pence is the true believer, right? It's, it's, he, so, does, he doesn't fake it, doesn't seem to me.
6: He, he certainly, you know, by, by, by any traditional metric for how you would base, like, religious expression... know he shows up to church he's been holding the same theological line for a long time that sort of thing
1: right right Um, just related to this because it's in the news today um, not necessarily uh, related to the 2020 campaign uh, headline in the New York Times Mormon Church rescinds policy that stung same-sex families so it wasn't so long ago that the Mormon faith, the church, adopted one policy which they've reversed
6: yesterday. Tell right. us about it. So they—it's about parents and it's about whether or not same-sex parents, yes, right. and about the children of those parents. You know, they're basically their acceptance within the church, and um, and whether they could whether they could be accepted and baptized in a traditional sense, and um, and and honestly, in many ways, out of the blue, there was this uh, claim that they were basically reversing this decision that basically barred these children. From access to many elements of the church to not only reversing that, but also like reversing the "quote unquote" claim of apostasy, which is theologically important in Mm -hmm. um, the Latter Day Saint tradition. And what's interesting about this, one, it's important to understand that you know within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, they uh, the, the 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 authority is different. So like the person in charge is you know the prophet, and the prophet gets direct. Um, you know, is still able to change the church things if, if God speaks to the prophet. And, you know, that's not the same kind of thing. Even within Catholicism, that's not necessarily the same. Yeah. Um, it's why, you know, you saw the, the church reverse its position on race in the 20th century, where apparently they held one position and then the prophet got another revelation from God and suddenly they had a different perspective on race. And so there's this open question of there's been actually a lot of activism in Mormon circles for LGBT rights and inclusion, um, but what triggered this change and why now? Well, God spoke to the prophet. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I guess according to their their tradition, but it's a welcome change to see to see the Mormon Church kind of step into the 21st century. But as you said, a surprise and unexpected kind mm-hmm. of came uh, out of, out of nowhere. Um, well, you're gonna have um, you got. A lot of fun here in this twenty twenty campaign, <laughs> a right? A lot of work to do. A lot, a lot of, of work, work to here. do. And you got a lot of more a lot more Democrats to talk to. too. Thanks so much for coming in, Jack. Thanks for You can that. follow Jack at religionnews.com. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash. Bill Press Show, and on YouTube, youtube.com slash thebillpressshow. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support.
3: Thing you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at
2: YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
3: All right, if you're keeping count,
1: we're up to 16. Yes, Congressman Tim Ryan yesterday becoming the 16th Democrat to say, I'm running for president in 2020, uh, but believe me, it doesn't stop there. <laughs> we could get up to 20, 22 or 3 before... Uh, (laughs) The stage is full. Hello, everybody. It is a Friday, Friday, April 5. Great to see you today. Hello, 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 and welcome to the program, The Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where uh, we bring you our roundup of the news of the day on every front, what's happening in Washington, D.C., around the country, and around the globe, from our perch right here on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol building. We've got it covered. Uh, And again, we'll tell you what's going on. Big news yesterday with the president, after a week of threats, uh, backed down and said, no, I'm not going to close the border after all. I'm going to put Mexico on a one-year notice, though, that if they don't improve in terms of stopping the flow of immigrants uh, or refugees and drugs into the country, then we'll close it down a year from now. So he says. Uh, Meanwhile, the president's saying... There could be a new deal with China in the making, and um, I want to appoint the Godfather Pizza Guy to the Federal Reserve Board. Oh my God, lots to talk about here. That's why it's good to welcome uh, from Think Progress. Good friend Alan Pike here is a friend of Bill for the hour. Hello, Alan. You ready to go? Ready to go?
7: I am. How are you? A lot's going on. Yeah, I was going to say, you say it could get 2022. Do you have an over under in mind? And if so, (laughs) would you like to gamble on it? (laughs) Oh. Peter can tell you I'm not a gambling man except when it comes to
1: the uh, pow- to Powerball. I Powerball. Do buy power oh, okay, okay.
7: This is a you- safer bet, but I was not going to offer uh, you quite uh, such enticing oh, stakes uh, <laughs> as the Powerball, I'm afraid. It just shows you what a lousy gambler I am if I spend money <laughs> on
1: Powerball, I'm willing to spend money on Powerball tickets. Okay, we'll jump right in with your help and your comments all the time. Welcome on Twitter, at BP Show. But first...
3: This is the Full Court Press. All right, just a couple of other stories making news. So doctors are now speaking out against a problem that they are seeing more and more these days. Call it whatever you want. Some people call it tech neck. Some people call it selfie wrist. Some Some people call it cell phone elbow. But basically, these are all problems that people are developing because they spend too much time on their cellular devices. One doctor that they quoted in this story, it's not like tennis elbow, were you using? You know, I mean, well, wh- wh- one wh- doctor in particular says that he was on an airplane and he saw this guy had his phone, and the way that he was looking at, it, he said his chin was oh. touching his chest, and he was <laughs> lurching forward in a way that just mechanically was not yeah. good, and it's bad. And he said that he watched the guy do this for the entire flight, and then of course when he stood up, he starts you know holding his neck, massaging his neck because, duh. His neck hurt. Yeah. Well, this is a problem that a lot of pe- the, a lot of doctors are seeing more and more of, and they're just saying, just be aware of how much time you spend looking down at your phone.
7: Well, you got you got to remember, none of this is actually going to end up being a problem because uh, sooner rather than later, we're all going to be getting injected with young human blood courtesy right. of right. Peter Teal. That's right.
4: That's right. Um, and that's going to that's going
7: right. to clear up all of these so-called physiological drawbacks of our glorious technological future, Peter.
3: That's right. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. We got that settled. Yeah, settled. Uh, (laughs) We just finished talking a lot about religion with Jack Jenkins. Uh, Well, there is a new survey about religion here in America. And the number of people who now say that they have no religion has risen 266% in the last decade. Whoa. One third of the population says they are not religious. They are not religious. Now, of the people who say that they are religious, Catholics make up 23%. Evangelicals are 22.5%. But again, those that say they have no religion, 23.1%. I would
1: add that half of the people who say they do are lying. Yeah, right. Yeah, fair. Fair.
3: This is the Bill Press Show. On a
1: Friday, April 5, hello, hello, hello. It is the Bill Press Show. And yes, indeed, after a week of bluffing, Donald Trump is back down, says, no, 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 I'm not going to shut down the border after all. Maybe for once he listened to um, (laughs) his top economic advisors at the White House and uh, Republicans in Congress who warned him against it. Hello, everybody. On a Friday, April 5, it's good to welcome you to The uh, Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, as always, and joining you nationwide as Coast to Coast on Free Speech TV, joining you worldwide on the, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And uh, Chicago, you own us on WCPT. Good to be with you uh, starting off this Friday. Launching you into the weekend, but not before we bring you up to date on all the news of the day for this next hour with the help of Alan Pike from Think a Progress. Um, good friend here as a friend of Bill for the entire hour. Alan, how's you, everything good?
7: So far. So, so far? far. All right. Well, Long early. weekend ahead, it's ahead of us. Early in the day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So were you surprised? Uh, you know, Donald Trump, he, it, it, a lot of tough talk about the border, and people were kind of freaking out. I think rightfully so. Uh, that the impact it might have on the economy, and yesterday he totally backed down.
7: Yeah, I think I saw I saw a story I think in Bloomberg uh, that the the price of one particular type of avocado <laughs> had had spiked by like forty three percent in six hours of trading. Or something like that, uh, and and the second I saw that, I thought, well, this isn't going to take. Oh, right. um, <laughs> no, and and I don't and I don't mean any guacamole jokes here, or, or you know, this is why millennials can't afford houses. Uh, humor about it. Just th- th- this is the pattern, right? He he spits out some uh, grand-sounding pronouncement, the kind of thing that uh, the presidents in the movies that he's seen uh, like to say in the speeches that get written for presidents in movies, because uh, it sounds really good. Yeah. And then there's some set of poor, well, actually, I'm sure they're paid quite well. There's some set of rich souls who work for him who then have to scramble to put together a briefing book short enough for him to care about reading it that explains why actually, Mr. President, if we did that um, X million people uh, in our own country would be punished by what you're talking about. I, I the, the, number, the number that, uh, I forget if it was Mitch McConnell or if it was Mitch McConnell quoting an economist, but I've heard people toss around the number 5 million American jobs yeah, um, yeah. potentially potentially being lost I, if you I, just I actually, slam I, shut the I entire southern that- border
1: I have to double check i think that came from the national association of manufacturers or the chamber of commerce one of those groups
7: one of those super reliable sources that were well, famously I mean, comfortable they're pro bus- no no but, but pro, pro
1: business basically republican organizations. Yeah. yeah and
7: and and much like and much like the although i'm sure they have uh, bean counters who are much more meticulous than the president is about how they say things um it's this it's all it's all pump it's all stagecraft right there's there's a pattern to this administration and it's uh donald trump wakes up with an idea or wakes up and wants a sandwich, and while he's making himself a sandwich, <laughs> he hears, you know, Kim Strassel have an idea on Fox, um, and then has an idea, and then and then he's, he's going to—the next camera he finds himself in front of, he's apt to throw it out into the world. And the line has blurred pretty tremendously um, on which things that a sitting United States president says are actually going to happen or are actually mm-hmm. maybe already happening, um, have any sort of formal weight of policy or doctrine— uh, and which are tweets and you know jokes and um provocations uh in this case, this seems to be part of how Trump thinks one ought to navigate the world you You lay down a grand threat, give everybody a couple of days to sweat about it yeah uh, and then yeah. and then come back out and say, "How about this? We'll wait a year before we do that ridiculously bad thing um and as long as you meet these basically synthetic goals that I'm going to set for you um, that I seem to believe require no work from me that are all on you to fulfill, yeah. then I won't do that horrible idiot thing a year Right. From
1: now. So if we're not going to have a uh, border shutdown, um, pivoting, the, the president did yesterday, then maybe we'll have a deal with China. Um, so uh, first of all, th- this is Donald Trump yesterday telling reporters, the deal is... Uh, in the works, going to land any day now.
5: The deal is coming along really well. We'll probably know over the next four weeks. It may take two weeks after that to get it papered.
1: Okay, so deal's in the works, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, now you and I, we're reporters. You get down there, we're in the Oval Office, and we want to know. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the deal. Okay. This- what, is, what are some of the details of the deals? What are some of the provisions in the deal? Well, well, let's let's try to get an answer here.
5: This will be a a really terrific, very unique deal. This is an epic deal, historic, <laughs> if it happens.
1: So it's... That was four adjectives, right? It's epic, it's historic,
7: I forget what how big... It's epic, unique, historic, unique. and I think big. Yeah, and big. Okay, that's where I actually... No, no. So he's so Dumbo. He's acquired the actual (laughs) elephant Dumbo that can talk and fly from from China. No,
1: no, no. Let's ask. Do we have to give back a panda? Is
7: my concern now. I'd love to have Dumbo. I think (laughs) it'd be great for the kids.
1: I just don't want
3: to give up the pandas. (laughs) Folks, Everyone loves them. Everyone who doesn't love Dumbo.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that was good, Mr. President. Now let's let's let me ask you again. How about some of the details of the deal?
5: It's going very well. Uh, Top officials are here, and. you know, we're very well along on the deal. It's a very complex deal. It's a very big deal. It's one of the biggest deals ever made. Maybe the biggest deal ever made.
1: Complex? Big. One of the biggest ever made. And in fact, how about another? Uh, we'll try again, all right? Another <laughs> slice here. Let's try again. Just one. Just, just name the top two provisions.
5: It's a very unique set of circumstances, but it's a massive deal. Could be one of the... I guess it is, if you think about it, the biggest deal ever made. There can't be a deal like this. No matter where you look, there can't be a deal like this. This is... this is the granddaddy of them all. <laughs> there we go.
7: This is how this is how uh, <laughs> junior <laughs> college professors talk when they get a little too stoned with their students by accident. Like when they're trying to be cool and they and they take one toke too many of, of the sophomore kid in the back's uh, joint and, and and then and then some very eager freshman asks them a very earnest and <laughs> detailed question about like something right in their wheelhouse, just you know, yeah. right there on the syllabus.
5: This is the well, granddaddy of them all.
7: It sure is that, <laughs> Jimmy. It's—I tell you what—it is—is, it's that.
2: And uh, and and
7: and and the 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 thing is. I'm sure if you go back and and look at uh, platitudes are part of the art form, right? Like always have been. There's a certain there's a certain version of this that presidents are supposed to do, just just embellish and and embiggen um, whatever it is they're working on, provide. As few specific details as possible. Uh, I, I, Barack Obama was a fairly wonky uh, pr- public oh presenter God. of information. Oh, if you would but ask him that
1: question, he'd still sure. be talking. Right,
7: to right, 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 right. You, and you'd be talking about you know m- micrometer differences in uh, in the thickness of various sheets of aluminum for some reason, yeah. and no one would care, right? And this is the thing that Trump has has seems to have figured out is. Whether or not anyone wants to call him on this perpetual uh, uh, thoughtlessness or perpetual absence of specific information in everything he says, that, that all you get is these yearbook superlatives, this deal is most likely to succeed, and also best hair, and mm-hmm. uh, that's it, press conference over, and uh, Nobody, nobody seems to be able to effectively disrupt to, to to break that circuit. Everybody around him is going to repeat the same things, and then and then chastise you if you so much as suggest that the public might be deserving of slightly more information about the thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> it is funny.
1: I, <laughs> as you mentioned, Bar- I, Barack Obama. I I remember during the Obama years when we did have briefings. And when we had news conferences, not just, you know, walking on the south lawn to the right. helicopter and stopping to say a couple of things, that our complaint then in the in the press corps was we might have an hour news conference, but you'd only have three questions because Obama's answers were so damn yeah. long. Right. Right. And we right. Saying, it was TMI. Just shut up.
3: Just stop. <laughs> right? We don't need to know that much detail. Let me be clear. Well, OK, you, you, you can be clear for, you know. Three no. minutes. You don't have to take seriously, 45 He would
1: minutes. go on and, and parse everything. In,
7: right? yeah. yeah. It, it is well, and,
3: and, so and, much the opposite of what yeah.
1: we get
7: today. And part of that, I, I know you know this. I'm not breaking any new ground here. But obviously part of that was that Barack Obama is was both a person is both a person who took the sort of standard uh, mantle of the presidency quite seriously. And someone who's very aware that he was the first black person to hold the office. Uh, and that he would therefore be fairly or unfairly, quite obviously unfairly. Um, held to a different standard in terms of his own comportment if he didn't uh if if he if he projected the, the handful yeah. of times that he projected any even basic human emotion the, the 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 very first i think it was the first spring that he was in office when um a, a cop in Cambridge Massachusetts arrested oh, yeah. Skip Gates yep. on his own porch and uh and Obama quite naturally gets asked about it uh and this is a year i think maybe two before Trayvon Martin's killed and and two years mm-hmm. before Michael Brown's killed and and we have Uh, protests in the streets seemingly every day about about, uh, police violence. He's just asked about it at a sort of that same kind of just informal press gaggle. And I think he I think the quote is something like um, it was a stupid thing to do. Uh, Yeah. But that's as harsh a a criticism of the officer as he gave. And and I'm I'm pretty sure that he it's balanced against it's sort of a, a condemnation of both of them. But just a basic observation. Yeah. Arresting a guy on his own front porch seems pretty stupid. I mean, you know, Fox lit up Fox yeah. Fox, every, every single well, follicle of Fox's head was to on fire the, for, they, for weeks. Yeah. He, like he had no room to be anything less than a sort of grave dignified, uh, projection of calm of deep, deep serenity and calm and knowledge and expertise. Donald Trump has to be none of those things.
1: No, oh
7: no, yeah, no. Remember that ended up in the, uh, in
1: the beer summit. Yep. Uh, yep. That's Here's right. There's one thing that we haven't talked about that has, and it's starting that has gotten a little bit of attention. It really strange, um, the arrest of this Chinese woman at Mar a Lago this week. Yeah. So this is Mar a Lago. So she she got in last weekend, right? That's when she, the story broke this week. Right. It was the last weekend that she was able to get in, carrying. She, Through the Secret Service, through the hotel security. Yeah. And she had several passports and um, a thumb drive with, what's it called, malware? Is that?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it had uh, malware on
1: on it. Malware on it, right.
3: A virus, basically.
1: A virus, yeah. Now, she didn't have a gun, right? Right. But the president was on the property. Sure. The first lady on the property. Sure. And she was able to penetrate the security there. You know, yeah. It's like somebody being able to get into the Oval Office.
7: Right? And it's very, it's very easy to reach his USB drive if you can get <laughs> if you can get close enough. It's right under the back of the wig. <laughs> on the, I think it's That's the left side. That's why he's side. got that haircut. And right. who knows what she was up to? But um, now, uh,
1: but it just raised some questions about Absolutely. the security yeah. at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, of course, Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday said, "Blame the Democrats."
4: It's good to
0: know that they care about the president's safety. We're thankful for that. But they spent so much time talking about one person uh, at Mar-a-Lago and the security there. But they've ignored over the last two years the thousands of illegal immigrants that are rushing our borders.
1: Here it is. For the last two years, the media has not talked at all about the border.
7: My boss spends a lot of time at his vacation home, which is so poorly secured. That a woman whose explanation is "I don't know," some guy sent me a passport and a thumb drive and said, "Hey, go there," uh, was able to get in. Uh, which reminds me, you you guys are bad, yeah, and also yeah. Mexicans are scary, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah that's uh, her message. It's just insane. I, I can't uh,
7: I can't decide. There's a chicken and the egg thing here. Of of uh, which is the sort of the prime mover of stupidity in all of this. If it's if it's These people this group of people themselves or if it's the the television structures that they utterly rely upon for this kind of crap to work Um, Because the 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 reason that that Huckabee Sanders has lasted in this job so long compared to her predecessors I think is that she's much much more comfortable. I don't want to say skilled although. I suppose in some dark Mm -hmm. (laughs) sense It is a skill, but she's much much more comfortable Just blinking once in the face of a pretty direct question and saying something Utterly benign and unrelated. Finding, finding, finding one benign uh, sort of semi-practical pivot away from what you've actually asked her about, and just going back to something that makes the president's Twitter thumbs sort of reflexively reach for the the like button.
1: Yeah. Well, and uh, who who knows what her intentions were with this uh, thumb drive or whatever, but it it does that if you add that to this woman who owned the spa where. Um, Sure. The Robert, Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft yeah. was arrested, who turned out to be a regular at Mar-a-Lago, taking Chinese business people there yeah. with the idea that they might run into the president, be able to have a conversation with him. You have to wonder what the hell's going on, right? Yeah. At what the president has chosen his place, right, as his right. escape White House. Right. So of course he's making money every time right. he goes there. Um. And what kind of what you know what kind of um security exists?
7: Sure. Sure, and, and I think it's reflective, too, of the kind of uh, businessman that he is the, and, and has been over his career. You know, he's, This is not a, mean, a Steve Jobs guy who's who's got meetings back-to-back-to-back to back to back every 45 minutes. His, his whole I, shtick is sit somewhere opulent and, and people will want to come be near me and that'll make me feel good. And every once in a while, one of them will also walk I, up and be like, could I hand you $1.5 billion for no real reason? And that's fun.
1: Or could I talk to you about my little business problem? I've right. or whatever. I mean, I have a friend who lives here in Washington – Who's a lobbyist, has a house in West Palm Beach, goes to West West Palm Beach, goes to Mar a Lago simply because he'll have a chance of running yeah. into Trump. And guess what? It happens I'm sure. almost every time Trump sure. is there. Yeah. I mean, so. Which is damn near every weekend. Yeah, right. So, I mean, lots of questions about that. So I don't know anything about your um, background or where your um, your family came from. Did you come are you from Germany? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no,
7: do, do you really want to know? I, got, I got a, No, I, got a, I don't. All right, I didn't think all right. so. <laughs> do
1: you like, <laughs> do you like no, Germany? No, I don't. That got, a, that got a laugh out of yeah, <laughs> I, wow, I, don't <laughs> I don't want to hear
7: anything else about except
1: I'll Germany. Tell, I'll tell, I'll I want
3: tell to you, know what you think Peter, about Germany. I'll tell Germany. you break. Yeah, 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 I want to hear right. about
7: it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Germany Germany seems nice. I was there this fall. Um, oh, I, I watched you. a soccer game. I was allowed to drink inside of a train station at my leisure, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I did. Sorry, Germany. Uh, get harassed by an actual literal Nazi out front of said train station. But again, soccer game. Lots of people drunk. I don't. I, I'm, so sure, cool. I'm sure. I'm so sure that's an unfair characterization of the country as a whole.
1: <laughs> you and Donald did, did happen. You, you and Donald Trump have something in common. That's what. I, that's what I was getting to. Being, we know how much he loves Germany. Here, he, he made this comment this week.
5: I mean, Germany honestly is not paying their fair share. I have great respect for Angola and I have great respect for the country. My father is German, right? Was German. And uh born in a a very wonderful place in Germany, so I have a great feeling for Germany. His father was born in the
1: Queens. Right.
7: <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're queens. The Queens. Yeah.
1: What's this all
7: about? And I I don't I don't know. I, mean, I, I <laughs> How could you lie about where your father was born? And does he know he's make- lying? Does he care? I there's a there's a um <laughs> I, I, I fight with my editors occasionally about whether I can use this word on our website. Um and this is where you got to stop me while I'm in the middle of this sentence if I can't use this I, word I'm, that you don't I'm, know what it is yet on your I don't air. know
1: what the word is so I can't um, tell you whether oh, you can boy. use it or not. Uh
7: there's a there's a a, a great little book, a, a treatise, I suppose. Uh, that, that a professor of mine in college had us all read called On Bullshit. Yes. Um, that's delineating very a, a very technical, practical, communications professional's definition of the difference between lying and bullshit. Lying is y- you know what you're saying uh, isn't true and you're saying it anyway so to some calculated say, Let's purpose. not say the word anymore. All right. <laughs> okay. The other word. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The other thing is uh, you actually don't know if it's true or not. And you don't really care if it's true or not. You just sort of want to say it. And you're pretty sure that saying it will get other people talking about it in a way that helps you. And that's, I think, the central premise of Donald Trump's uh, communication strategy, whether it's about something as banal and tiny as, no, dude, your dad was born in Queens. He's your your Mets fans for life and I'm so sorry to say cuz that's even even I don't I don't care for you personally myself but that's a heavy burden for any many man to bear. But
3: you know the, the the other thing about that that comment uh which is just patently false it came on the same day that he said
5: this no collusion no obstruction. I hope yeah. they now go and take a look at the oranges the oranges of the uh, uh, investigation the- so the oranges of
3: the investigation wait,
1: wait these are the oranges that aren't coming in from Mexico That's anymore right. because yeah, we right, closed right.
3: the border well, yeah. who are the orange? I'm sorry did I lose a, did he I miss a chapter he went to say origins but he was saying oh. oranges <laughs> he was trying to say origins but he said oranges, <laughs> oranges. and it's also the same, same these day all the- happened on the same day that he went out and he
5: talked about uh, windmills causing cancer oh, yes windmills and they say the noise causes cancer you tell me that one okay you know, the thing makes it so, and of course it's like a graveyard for
1: birds. (laughs) Yeah. And all the same day, all the same day. And the thing that's wrong, of course, with windmills is because the wind doesn't always
7: blow. Bill, do you ever wonder if (laughs) there's been some sort of awful mistake made years and years hence? And, and you and the president were supposed to have each other's jobs. Like some, like, like, (laughs) like, cause I listen to that. And what I hear is this is a man. Who can fill time? (laughs) If 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 the producer's (laughs) waving frantically from the booth, like, hey, I don't know what's wrong. I can't go to break. uh, Something's. uh, uh, You gotta just just go, just go, man, just go. (laughs) Windmills, uh, you know, and you know, it's like a graveyard for birds, right? My uncle was a bird. He was born in Germany (laughs) as a bird. Uh, It took a lot of surgery to overcome, but he did finally. Uh, He does still flap at the elbow sometimes, but that's just you know that's that's gonna happen when you were born a bird in Germany, like my uncle was. Anyway, like I was saying about windmills, and suddenly you know three and. Half hours right. have gone by. Right. Listen, I just saw Network last weekend. Yeah, Remember the movie? Yeah, right. that yeah. Trump could be Howard Beale. Sure, nope. sure. Right. Some yeah, small yeah. offense to Howard Beale there. Right. Yeah, at least he and had. That, a, he had. A, actually, I guess it, they're roughly as coherent as each other as, as messages. But as that's what they messages. did,
1: right? I mean, Howard Beale yeah. goes off the rails, and then they think uh, first the the, the, the the great movie network. If you haven't seen it, get on net and go on Netflix, mm-hmm. or go to New York and see the play with Brian Cranston. But he goes off the rails. Their first instinct is to pull him off the air, and then they say, "Oh hell no, this is great for this ratings." Is great. Yeah,
7: and then
3: they just let him go. Yeah, right. Well, it's also why we see when he does do these press conferences, which he hasn't done a ton of them, but when he does do them, they are just rambling hour, two hour long. Mm-hmm.
7: Apparently, so um, uh, when when Jared Bolsonaro was in town, the, the president mm. of Brazil mm-hmm. uh, was in town a couple weeks ago um uh, a friend friend we have in common Travis Waldron, uh, was yes. was there for that event and, and wrote a couple of really excellent stories about it for HuffPost um and at, at one point um I hadn't I hadn't watched it on TV but he was telling me this uh at one point I guess the president's teleprompter froze up or or got screwy um cuz you, you can always tell the difference between Donald Trump on book and Donald Trump oh. freestyle oh, right yeah. um and he was and he had started out as the on book Donald He's, like, um, he's not good on book. Uh, he's not good on book. He, he, right. He, you can tell no, he's reading. No, he puts the very, pauses in the wrong places. Yeah, right, right. Um, but he, but he, you know, it's, stiff. yeah, it's like, it's like the, God, God love him, the, the like third dumbest kid in your English class in ninth grade who, when he got called upon to read, like he could string it together, but he wasn't hitting the, he wasn't hitting the emotions of it. Anyway, uh, so at some point, I guess, during that joint presser with Bolsonaro, um, Trump's, uh, Trump's prompter went on the fritz and he just started ad-libbing. And every we're also inured to it, especially folks who've mm-hmm. been covering uh, the White House uh, w- with any specificity for a couple of years now. So inured to his like sort of style, like. But but Travis said that there were all these um, traveling press. There's this big traveling press corps from Brazil uh, there for the event, who just seemed baffled that suddenly he had <laughs> he had he had, he, had br- he seemed to have broken off of this perfectly benign yeah. you know yeah. standard uh, uh, standard issue you know address alongside another foreign leader platitudes 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 and suddenly i i don't even i don't even remember the the meat of it but it was something of the you know their graveyards for birds sort of species of of trumpism um and and travis said he had to he had to like explain to a couple of people later <laughs> who were like
3: what the heck? <laughs>
7: hell what hell was that? Where did that come he was, did, oh, was that no, just lost
3: in translation? No. No, no, no it doesn't right. make sense in any language. It didn't, yeah, it
7: didn't work for us either, but here's what happened. The yeah.
1: prompter froze. All right. Now, talk about a blast from the past. Donald Trump yesterday uh, revealed his new choice for the Fed, for the Federal Reserve Board. There are two vacancies, um, and he's already named Stephen Moore who's got his set of problems for one. Uh, his second the, the, to fill the second seat. Uh, well, we'll let the president tell us.
5: I've recommended Herman Cain. He's a very Herman uh, Cain. a terrific man, a terrific person. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I have recommended him highly for the Fed.
1: Godfather Pizza,
7: Godfather right? Pizza. Yeah, numerous allegations of sexual misconduct settled w- via non-disclosure clause. He was
1: forced out in 2012 when and he was a right. candidate for president. There were that's at right. least four women. Yep. The Washington Post uh, contacted three out of the four yesterday to get their views on the
7: fact that. So this is Bill, unlike, You know, you know what my favorite part of this is. No, I'm going to find out. He's more qualified to serve on the Fed than Trump's other pick What's for the, these two vacancies right now. Stephen Moore. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Moore is a nut job who's just who's just been holding down. I mean, and that's I can say that I too am a nut job. I just I'm not being nominated for the Fed is the difference. Uh yeah, the crazy thing about this Herman Cain story is I saw I saw the I saw this announcement yesterday. Apparently, this had been rumored back in January, and I had missed yeah. it. He, he interviewed
1: him in January. Okay, yeah. okay, and so
7: they've been they've been vetting him since. Right, right. And I I saw it. And my immediate reaction was like, wait, hang on. The last I heard from Herman Cain was that he had become a a, a, a meme on Twitter. There's this this really creepy slow grin at the end of one of his web yes. ads from the yes. from the 2012. Yeah, I remember that? You remember yeah. that Right. Um, he's just like he's sort of he's sort of like forty-five degrees to camera and like but his eyes are square onto camera, which is already unsettling, and just very slow sort of break into it. And he's got got a great smile. Um, but there was something very eerie about it, and that became that came to be used as a sort of shorthand for uh a variety of things online. I was like, That guy for the Fed, this can't be real. But he uh as compared to Stephen Moore. Is a sort of credible pick. He 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 served what? on uh, an advisory board for the Kansas City Fed for like six years, four four or six years uh, in the early nineties. He at least knows more or less what the Fed does. Stephen Moore just said the other day, "Yeah, no, if I got this job, I'd have some. I'd have to get up to speed. I'd have to really. <laughs> I'd have a real steep learning curve." Awesome. I believe he used well, what, the phrase "steep learning curve." So
1: what strikes me is Stephen Moore uh, has now gotten a little hot water because it turns out he hadn't paid his taxes. Uh, and hadn't paid his child to support. Presumably part his, of why the president wanted to hire him. Exactly. And now... Bring me here's, your
7: finest tax cheats. Right.
1: <laughs> and now here is Herman Cain who's also accused of sexual assault and sexual harassment yep. like the president, yep. right? Yep. So these are uh, the two people that they're both are sort of little peas, Trump... Little, peas and pods. Yeah. Little Trumpers here. But... I don't remember that smile on the on the on the spot. We'll find about, it for you. we'll uh, okay. find it for you. I'm sure you will. You really fantastic. got to see it. What terrifying. I remember best okay. about Herman Cain in twenty twelve is
4: Imagine there's no pizza. <laughs>
1: I forgot about it. I that.
4: couldn't if I tried. <laughs> eating all the tacos
3: you Fry. Yeah, there you go.
7: There you go. Listen, it's not a bad voice. I, I have to say, uh, the, guy say. Uh,
3: right.
7: the guy welcome, can sing. He is welcome at any karaoke night I'm involved in. <laughs> I'll tell you that. You know, the Give other it it
3: thing, one of the other things, there are so <laughs> many little pieces of the Herman Cain story that I had forgotten <laughs> about. But you remember when he gave one of his speeches and people started looking at his speeches, and it turns out he lifted like paragraphs. From a speech that right. was in the Pokemon movie? Right. He From the mm. like a children's cartoon movie, he lifted mm. this whole thing from it. it There's, here's th- the question. What are
1: What's the interest rate going to be if Herman <laughs> King gets on the board? Hey, now, if Does you won't gamble
7: out? with me on how many Democrats are going to run for president, you don't get to make me pick interest <laughs> <No, right>. rates. <laughs>
1: that's an easy answer.
7: Nine, nine, nine. <laughs>
1: I give that credit. To, that was Mitt Romney's line yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so there we he's
7: go. Herman, Herman uh, Cain's whole campaign was reads now in hindsight as somebody like trying out like like a a, a test version, an alpha version of um, what if we just dumbed it all the way down, made it zany. Um, and, yeah. and and the problem is, uh, Herman Cain had enough of a sense of humor about himself. Trump they just stripped that part out. Do you but remember, Herman Cain was number one in the polls. He was. Do you remember was there was good time. when
3: we were in South Carolina for the primary, the Republican yeah. primary uh, <laughs> that year, Herman Cain had that big announcement, I'm going to announce who my running mate is. Do you remember this? And he came out, and his running mate was... People? The American people. The American people, <laughs> the yeah. The American people. It's am the I Time really Magazine cop-out. Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. That's sad. Hey, we got a lot more to go here, so we're going to take a quick break. Emily Atkin joins us, science and environmental poli- poli- politics reporter for The New Republic. What's going on with the Green Deal? Does Jay Inslee have a chance as the climate change candidate? Uh, Alan Pike stays with us. Emily Atkin joins us. You're still on board. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Friday, April five. Uh, the Bill Press Show live from our nation's capital. Good to have you with us today, uh, Alan Pike here from Think Progress as a uh, friend of Bill. Uh, Emily Atkin from New Republican joining New Republic joining us uh, shortly. Uh, she's got that long Uber ride here, and uh, we're just waiting for Uber to deliver. Uh, speaking about delivery, Alan, uh, the uh, Department of Labor has just delivered the job numbers for the month of March 20, 2019. Peter, what, are, what do we have? How do we do?
3: Yes, indeed. Here we go. The U.S. economy added 196,000 jobs in March. That That's is from uh, the Labor Department. They call that a fairly strong rebound from a slow uh, yeah. job growth in February. The unemployment rate stayed at three Eight percent. They are calling this a spring bounce. Uh, those are good numbers. Yeah,
7: huh? no, those doubt those are per- about it. perfectly solid numbers. Yeah, that's uh, it's slightly above what I understand to be the sort of replacement rate. Yeah, uh, that you ha- that you need to uh, just be sort of and I have everybody lost track
1: of it started of course under President Obama of how many straight months we've had with not just positive gr- job growth but over a hundred hundred thousand. I mean it's. 50, 60 months or something yeah, in a row now. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. Good robust numbers. And the, th- you know, you, people used to say, and I guess it's still true, that five percent was full employment, and it's been under five percent now for sure. several months. In a
7: and row, well, and and a lot of that is attributable to still uh-huh. attributable to um, people people taking part time work who'd rather have full time work mm-hmm. um, to people. Uh, moving out of the numbers entirely um, the, the the discouraged worker uh, numbers are have trended down which is good um, and that's happened without the unemployment rate going back up which is even better um, but the, the the numbers are the numbers paint a picture that is slightly rosier than the reality I think a lot of people are still feeling in this economy at this point right um,
1: that it, was a
3: problem for Obama, too, I think. I think, you know, you saw these great numbers for Barack Obama. And there were still a lot of people out there that didn't necessarily f- see or feel those great numbers. You know what I mean?
7: Yeah, it's sort of, it's what happens when you let a bunch of ri- really rich bankers steal something like 17 or 18 trillion dollars worth of housing wealth yeah. from working people and nobody goes to jail. Yeah, yeah, that uh, right. That's anything about it.
1: Uh, uh, Alan Pike here with us as a uh, friend of Bill for the entire hour. And as we mentioned, um, pleased to welcome to the table here, joining us from New Republic science and environmental reporter, uh, Emily Atkin. Hey, Emily. Nice hey. to see you. Nice to see you. Uber working this morning, is it? Um,
0: Like a little. <laughs> here and there. You know what, what happens <laughs> when it rains? There's and a tiny bit weekend. of
3: God. rain in the oh, oh, no, no. So yeah. it's, you know.
4: Right, it's, it's raining. Out
0: there. It's rained like four drops, so everyone forgot how to drive.
1: Or, no, exactly, and the rates, of course, for Uber go up in the rain because yeah. there are not that many. I Although was gonna, you... I
0: was gonna bike, but I didn't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to look like a mess. So. You
1: didn't, uh, but you didn't have as long an Uber ride this morning as the newest member of the Yankees did. Peter yeah, yeah, yeah. There, the story was that, there was, that guy that, there was that
3: guy that was a minor league player for Scranton. And the Yankees needed a, a third baseman. So they called him and said, we need you to get up here as fast as you can. And the from only Scranton, could, Pennsylvania. From Scranton to New York City, the fastest uh, thing he could think of was just getting an Uber. So he took a two-hour Uber ride. I just can understand
7: home. that that's the fastest thing he could think of. Surely <laughs> right. surely the New York Yankees <laughs> right. could have thought of something a little bit <laughs> faster think. than that. Perhaps an aircraft of some kind. <laughs> you would think. I, 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 know, I know Scranton is a rough town, but I believe they have helipads I somewhere. They I On some they
3: rooftop.
1: <laughs> but they, look. Don't give to be too harsh on the Yankees. They paid for his Uber fare.
3: They did pay for his Uber. <laughs> they did reimburse him for his
1: Uber. Right. Um, I know we want to get to the, some of these environmental issues uh, and particularly the Green New Deal here, Emily. But I've got to mention that um, maybe somebody could say the last thing we needed is one more Democrat running for president. But at any rate, we've got one. A good friend of the program has been a guest here many times. Congressman Tim Ryan from Ohio yesterday went on The View uh, ABC. That's a pretty good platform to launch from, and made it official here. He and, I,
2: and I can go back just a few weeks, where my daughter called me crying from school, because her friend was crying to her. Her dad just got transferred at the local General Motors plant. The kids had to move. Yeah. And my daughter called me, and she said, "You got to do something." And I said, "I'm going to do something," and. I'm going to run for president of the United States. And we're going to make
1: sure the There you go. Uh, so, uh, Rust Belt politician, he's, he, he I mean, Akron, Ohio, Youngstown, Ohio, that's sort of the heart of where sure. uh, a lot of jobs have been lost because of plants plants shutting down. Yeah. And um, so it's the question is I think he's got a lane, but with all the, this crowded field, do you think he can ever break through? What's your take?
0: I don't know. I just something about the idea that we need another um, sort of rust belt. Uh, white male. To, well, I wasn't going to say it, but white, dude. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't matter who resonates. It matters who has the most message. So, I mean, I, I'm surely interested to see what he has to say. But I I think that I'm still wary of the idea that um, it's. It's somebody who's going to appeal to dissatisfied Trump voters now rather than appealing to who the left's base is, um, who are like those more Bernie Sanders, AOC, like real true lefty progressives. Um, But I don't know what Tim Ryan's platform is going to be. I don't know too much about him. It's
1: basically going to be, I think, jobs, jobs, jobs and broadband. He's been very big on jobs by expanding broadband
7: that that question of what each of these people believes the path is to beating donald trump i think is really well it's really interesting um and it's really important and it's really interesting to people in our profession and i don't think it's the kind of uh it doesn't make for electrifying uh, uh television debate to have people sort of and and people aren't ever really honest about their strategic thinking in public uh, around their competitors. So I don't know if we'll ever get really clear, honest answers to any of those questions. But I, I share Emily's concern that his, from what I know, you know Tim Ryan better than either of us for sure, but from what I know of him, um, he strikes me as the kind of person who would be inclined to believe that there are still people who um, like this president who whose ears are open to something other than just voting for this president again and I don't know any of those people or where they are hiding from pollsters Mm -hmm. or if they exist. And I'm well aware that living on Twitter, you're not going to see any. But I also I haven't found any evidence anywhere of there being uh, any sort of particular softness to there there seems to be a quite hard floor to Trump's support um, within the Republican Party. And that's consistent with um, the pretty hard floors that uh, uh, that you can associate with Fox News viewership. Um, there's been some really interesting polling lately mm-hmm. uh, on differences within the Republican Party based on who primarily or exclusively gets their uh, information from Fox News. Uh, and one thing that that network and Media Empire have done is establish um, a a rock solid floor of support. and and i'm I'm curious to see what people like Tim Ryan or for that matter. Kirsten Gilbrand or Amy Klobuchar or anybody else in this race um, thinks they can do about that. Yeah, I think the the one the
1: one thing that and it's going to be uh, t- look it's going to be tough for Tim Ryan uh, to um, to put together kind of resources to compete with somebody like Bernie, right, who raised eighteen million dollars, right, and, or uh, what's that eighteen that he reported, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, um, uh, eighteen point one, I think. Eighteen point one. There no. you go. But I think what Tim Ryan re- sort of reinforces what Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar have been saying, and others have been saying, we have to have somebody who can appeal to that area where we lost Democrats lost in twenty sixteen, right?
0: Or where people didn't vote in twenty sixteen, right? Vote. Exactly. I think that's the main question between it, who, which which demographic do you want to appeal to? I also think yeah. that right now it's just it it's so early still that we're almost just talking about people's personalities yes. and sort of yeah. what what their demographic is. It's ultimately going to be what really exciting solutions to our biggest problems they pose. That's why the Green New Deal is so popular right now is because it's a big, exciting solution. It's not just somebody coming out and saying, um, we're going to fight Trump and we're and his policies are bad. It's saying, we're not only going to fight Trump and his policies are bad. We have this really big, exciting new policy that if you bring us into office, this is what we're going to pursue. And people, people are like, I mean, and... That's one thing you don't have to live on Twitter to know. I mean, I sat down recently with a pollster from Gallup and we went over some of the most recent national polling results on the environment and climate change and the Green New Deal and things like that. And the prioritization among people of climate change ever since the polling started after the Green New Deal came out has just skyrocketed because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden people see a solution that they find exciting. And I think that they're like, you know what, this is a problem we can solve, and now I care about it. and so that's what I think Tim Ryan will be his challenge will be anybody's challenge that they propose something exciting.
1: Well, one one thing for us that the Green New Deal it is just a, I, I love it big. It's bold. You know, do we know all the details of it? No, no, we don't even haven't seen the legislation. But the only thing the Republicans can do in response instead of coming up with their own plan or their alternative approach to climate change or whatever, is to make fun or to mock the New Deal, Fox and Friends tried to do that yesterday. Uh, they went to a diner. Yeah, so Midwest the, somewhere. It was right? in Missouri. Yeah, they Missouri. go to a diner okay. in
3: Missouri. They're asking all kinds of different questions, yeah. and they get to this one guy about like, <laughs> "Oh, look at this wacky green new deal. What's <laughs> going to cost us so much money? Isn't that going to be just terrible?" And this guy who's just sitting there eating his breakfast just has the best answers to everything that this. Uh, Fox News questioner asks Jack. Jack is an info
2: specialist, and he really wants Howard Schultz to talk about climate change, specifically the Green New Deal, which you support. Why do you support it? Yeah, it's really important. We keep below two degrees Celsius of average warming; otherwise, the consequences are going to be devastating. How do we pay for it? Yeah, how do we pay for World War II? At the end of the day, when something (laughs) is this important, our economy is going to suffer if we don't pay for it. Okay, but you do agree with the sentiment that this is as big a deal, climate change, that is, as World War II?
7: Yeah, I mean, for a little over four. 400,000 Americans died in World War II and climate change is killing 150,000 people per
2: year at least. Okay, let's talk about the money because that's a huge part of this. How are we going to pay for it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, during World War II, for one thing, the government just pushed some of the cash up front and
7: raised some tax on some folks, uh, but at the end of the day, it stimulated the economy so much that everyone benefited.
2: Okay, so to review, <laughs> you are in favor of raising taxes in order to support the Green New Deal.
7: <laughs> if that's the optimal solution the economists sort out, I'll go with that.
3: The guy on Fox News just cannot understand I just this <laughs> guy. I, I want to know, how did that guy get in that diner? Yeah, seriously. You know, he's
0: too
1: smart <laughs> to be. A, I lived
3: in Missouri for a while.
0: It's, a, it's, a,
1: it's a
3: more
7: politically diverse place than Fox probably counted on.
0: Okay, but that's but, the fastest speaking person from Missouri I've ever seen. I
3: mean,
7: he They do top up your coffee pretty frequently in right. those diners.
3: <laughs> yeah. That, right. I mean, he had everything right there. I, I mean, know, he, he, he gave did. every answer and he was very sure. But
1: what is funny is the Fox <laughs> reporter. Well he can't except he <laughs> can't take no for an answer, right? Or yes? How did
0: we pay for World War II? It's just the best. it just came out so quick. I'm like, "Damn, I wouldn't have been able to do that."
7: Well, that, and it's a perfect illustration of what you're saying about the 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 power of the the long untapped power of just telling people, "Hey, there's a gigantic thing we could do." that could make the world better for you and your kids mm-hmm. and when somebody wants to stand up in the back and go but but how are you going to pay for it sir <laughs> you go that's a great question anybody else have a question because yeah. <laughs> because we have a lot of money here and we can find it we can uh, it's probably not the right time to figure out exactly i'm happy to take all of yours and some of hers and a little <laughs> bit of his in the back and we'll get there i'm not worried about that next question but just giving people something big and um and profound and meaningful, and and I think that's something that the Democratic Party has sort of institutionally shifted away from to its, to its disadvantage over the last generation or so. It's just but, getting yeah. back to a better world is possible for you and your kids, and I'm pretty sure I know how to get us there.
1: Look, in this young Democratic primary, right, new ideas are coming out. Like, all over the place, right? Not, not uh, Elizabeth Warren particularly, but you've got the wealth tax. You've got Kamala Harris is saying, uh, you, I think, universal child care. Um, people are talking about debt-free, not just debt-free, but free college tuition, the Green New Deal. I mean, every time you turn around, right?
7: Wayne Messum wants to wipe out oh, every sorry. dollar of higher oh. ed debt currently outstanding. Wayne
1: Messum, right. And then Andrew Yang with the... Um, uh, universal. Geo.
0: Oh, he's got a geoengineering thing happening. What We can talk about that later. Is that a
7: Bond villain thing? Whenever somebody says, I have a geoengineering thing, I imagine them in, inside of a volcano it's doing more, far something Far more real evil. than you realize.
0: Okay. okay. Far, uh, yeah.
7: yeah.
1: So um, back to the Green New Deal. This is, if there's any one candidate who says, this is my issue, Jay Inslee, climate change, right? Uh, is this a, an issue that has that kind of potential and appeal? But just to say, I'm the climate change guy, do you think?
0: If it were not, if you had asked me this six months ago, I would have been like, no. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You know, I've been doing this for five years. I've been covering climate change in D.C. for five years, and nobody has paid attention to me for five years. (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
1: This is your moment.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me on. All right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, but, uh, no, I, I mean, people yeah f- people have paid attention to me but you know it's <laughs> it is always i always say this it's always been so low even on the democratic priority list you always see this polling that says that um democrats really believe that climate change is happening that it's a threat but if you if you poll them on their priorities it's so low i mean it's always healthcare and jobs and all of a mm-hmm. sudden we're seeing that it's skyrocketed to the top of many polls i mean i think in the i the last iowa caucus poll it was like potential Democratic voters, um, their top two priorities were healthcare and climate change uh, when they're making their decision. That's a huge deal. Um, And you're seeing that everywhere. And so I think that a candidate that does run on climate change, um, they of course have potential, maybe not, I don't know that Jay Inslee has like a lot of super potential charisma as like a candidate, but I think that his expertise is really going to push the other candidates to be more bold. And he's going to set the state. Plus, like, he's a governor tests, who's done you know? some
1: things about it, too, right? Sure, at yeah. At a state level.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, he's at least pushed for he He got Washington to be the closest to having a statewide carbon tax uh, that any state has ever gotten, um, which is also a huge deal. Um, and, you know, very progressive governor. So it's just, it's really going to be awesome to have somebody who can, on a debate stage, call BS on some of the, talking points that Democrats have just been able to get away with that really don't mean anything to be like, and I'll fight climate change. Yeah. Next question. Right. You know, you have to be like, no, 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 no. What do you mean? Like, wh- and how are you going to do it? And how are you going to include marginalized communities? And is it going to be through market-based mechanisms? Or is it going to be uh, through a stimulus plan? Or is it gonna, what is it going to be? You know?
1: Right. And isn't the, one of the, 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 one of the um, I guess, biggest selling points to me for the Green New Deal As you mentioned, you know, environment, jobs, economy, environment. I mean, the Green New Deal encompasses all of them, right? They're talking about Green New Deal. Yeah, but green new jobs, green new economy, green new energy.
0: Well, yeah, that's what, like, you know, that's why it's a Green New Deal is because it's it's not just a package of environmental proposals. It is Mm -hmm. a proposal to decarbonize the economy, right? right? And so decarbonizing the economy doesn't just mean we're going to, you know, reduce – carbon emissions from power plants, it means we're going to reduce carbon emissions from everything. We're going to transform the way the economy works. Uh, We're going to make, you know, we're going to make roads different and transportation different. And the way everything is, is power is going to be different. We're going to create jobs by doing it. And then we're going to, then if you do that, then you have to ensure it's a just transition that doesn't just, you know, the jobs don't all go to white people. And then, you know, how do you do that? That's why I argued in a recent piece that the Green New Deal should include reparations in it, because, um, you Know having all these conversations about reparations, but one of the and one hmm. of the biggest ways that historical injustices have played out is that uh black and brown people ha- like live closer to power plants, they live in more polluted areas, and they're the most vulnerable to climate change when climate change starts to really hit, they're the ones that are going to be affected first. So, if we're going to decarbonize the economy, we should also equalize it in that way, too.
1: Alan, Mary, get ready for.
7: I think so. I I think I think that uh, I I come back to the the, as a matter of professional political communications. It's been people have slipped in and I'm not very familiar with Inslee um, specifically, but I imagine that if he was doing that kind of yeoman's work as an executive in a state government, um, that he must have some some uh, some real ability to make the argument in a compelling way. Everybody I'm, I'm hearing sound bites in my head from the last 10, 20 years of Democrats referencing climate change and realizing that in my the soundtrack I have in my head, it's always as it's at the end of a list of the problems. And it's it's usually yeah, it's, it's 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 as I'm running out of oxygen, and and I need by to take a breath pretty soon. And of course also climate change. <gasps> and anyway, yeah. so and, and, and if if you if that's how you present it it's been presented as this inevitability for a long time because I think people haven't people who are really bought into the way that things have always worked in our economy, and the and the people who have uh, benefited from that, who have gained, mm-hmm. uh, even even if they're not spectacularly wealthy, their stability is based on it. Their four hundred one k, their sense of their long term security, uh, is threatened by anything that that involves that sort of gigantic upheaval to yeah. every, as Emily says, every aspect of our of our economy. And you have right. to find a way to sell that, and and. I think fear is only one of those tools. It doesn't have to be the only uh,
1: one. I just got to jump in with just about a minute and a half left, because, Emily, you've been writing about this. So are we all shall we all breathe a sigh of relief today that because Donald Trump is not oh. going to close the border that we will have all the avocados we need? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but there was this hysteria about losing care. the avocado, uh, right?
0: Uh, we're, we're. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's early. <laughs> it's early. <laughs> it's early. <laughs> I could be like, well... What I think is that the media should not focus on avocados so much and focus on the real problem. But that is what I I think.
1: (laughs) But now we don't have to worry about the avocados. You
0: don't have to worry. Well, you do have to worry because climate change is going to ruin avocados Uh, eventually uh, too. It's also going to ruin coffee. uh, It's going to ruin hamburgers. It's a short-term
3: problem versus a a long-term problem. Yeah,
0: you have avocados tomorrow, but your children.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Think about our children's avocados.
7: There we go. We'll end. We'll we'll end on that note.
1: <laughs> 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 Nothing Man. tastes
7: good when you're drowning while you're eating it.
1: That's the the bottom <laughs> <Right. of> it. <laughs> Woo! Alan Pike, great to see you. ThinkProgress. thinkprogress.org. Uh, Emily, glad you made it. Thank, Thank you, you for having sure me. your good work at New Republic. NewRepublic. It is Friday. That means the next two days are your, all yours. Make the most of the weekend, friends, and uh, come back on Monday.
3: We'll be looking for you. This.